This morning, if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. This morning, we deal with the idea of Babel, false religion, and the lie we must learn. Sometimes it's good to begin with the end in mind, and sometimes that reminder comes from places that aren't always pleasant. I speak of probably an experience you've likely had in your life where you've walked into a funeral home and you've experienced the reality that, guess what, unless the Lord returns, one day you'll be there. And as you wrestle with death and contemplate your life and fate, I'm also asking questions like, Lord, how am I spending my days? Am I wasting it? Is there any area in my life that I'm wasting it? And one of the things that I've been convicted of recently after walking out of a funeral home was just contemplating the fact that, man, I often spend too much time on the Internet or investing my life in good things that don't necessarily impact eternity. And I ask myself, why? Like, why am I doing this continually if I know, like, man, my end is coming. Like, it's coming. And yet I'm still continuing to live like this. And I keep asking, like, why am I so often pursuing the things of this world? And I think Genesis 11 has an answer for us today as we look at the Tower of Babel and and hear this moment that happens in humanity. It's because in my heart and in your heart, we believe that our security is rooted in our self-satisfaction or our self-exaltation. We believe that somehow our security in this life, how to have a good life, is rooted in the fact that we have to have this self-security, to be secure in whatever that means, finances or, or, or a place or status or whatever that is, a relationship, or in our own self-exaltation that we must have to be great and be known as great and have this great name. But the Bible says to us that, guess what, true happiness is not found in being great in our own name. That's the lie of false religion. That's the lie of Babel. The way to security in this life and the life to come isn't by making a name for ourselves, by working hard in our way up to God. Instead, it's resting in the fact that God came down to rescue us. In other words, true and lasting security is found in Christ, not in ourselves and not in our circumstances. True and lasting security is found in Christ and not in ourselves and not in our circumstances. So look with me, Wood, Genesis chapter 11. We're going to wrestle today with verses 1 through 9. Again, hearing this idea, Babel, false religion, and the lie we must learn. The first truth comes to this. What Babel reveals about our hearts and our search for true and lasting security Babel actually today, this Tower of Babel, this city that they're building here in the land of Shinar, is going to say something about our own hearts and our search for true and lasting security. Pick up if you would, beginning verse 1 of Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bit them for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we just be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. 
Now look, Genesis chapter 11 begins saying this simple truth that it says that there was the earth had one simply language and the same words. In, in other words, there was only one language. And, and so the people are all together in this one place having this one language, which says to us that Genesis 11 is somewhat of a rewind into chapter 10. Because chapter 10 has told us all about the descendants of Noah and all how the nations are filled and flourish. But chapter 11 rewinds back, telling us, well, here's how it began. Soon after with Noah and his sons. And they had one language and there was one people there amongst the earth. And so notice what it says. And the people migrated from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar. The land of Shinar is what we believe to be modern day Iraq. It's what will be soon known in the story as the place of Babel or as it will come to known later throughout Scripture, Babylon. And Babylon itself, you have to understand, as you're going to hear the word Babylon throughout not only the Old Testament but the New Testament. Because Babylon doesn't simply just represent a physical place. It also represents a spiritual heart set that it's in opposition to God. It's a pursuit of the kingdom of this world and not the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And so the people are there in this land of Shinar, this, again, modern-day Iraq. Again, they, they, they are ripe to take dominion of the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, the very things God has called them to do. But in verse 3 and 4, the Bible, the author leaves no doubt as to how the humanity will act. They're going to use their unity, their ingenuity, their resources to exalt themselves and not God. You can't hear it. And they said to one another, verse 3, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bit them for mortar. Then they said this statement here, again, that reveals so much. Verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Right? See, they, they, just, they have the resources. They're together. They have one language that they can communicate to one another. They're on the same page, so to speak. And yet, what they choose to do in that moment is to exalt themselves and not God. And the question is, why is this? And the truth of Scripture echoes throughout from the pages of Genesis on. Because the heart of Genesis 3, of our father and mother, Adam and Eve, guess what? It still dwells within us. We have a selfish, self-centered heart that wants to secure our own security. And the truth is that humanity not only has this heart that loves and exalts itself more than God, the reality from Genesis 11 says this still exists in our hearts today, doesn't it? I mean, don't you wrestle with that? Wanting to be great? Wanting to make a name for yourselves? Wanting to be secure? To live in your own comfort zone, to have life go exactly. I mean, I mean, think about how often you get and I get tore up when things don't go exactly like we think they should go. How we get our feathers ruffled, so to speak. But notice what it says at the end of verse 4. What are they after? It says, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And, and if you've been walking with us through Genesis, you're like, man, but, but that's why you were created. I mean, that, that's the echo we've been hearing again and again throughout Genesis, isn't it? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God creates them, makes them male and female. Verse 27, verse 28 says, be, God says to them, be fruitful and multiply and do what? Fill the earth. Guess what? Back in Genesis chapter 8, Noah and his family walk off the ark. Guess what? God says to them again, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Genesis chapter 9, last week as we wrestled through it with that text, 
Noah and his drunkenness and his things that unfold in his family. But guess what? It begins with this statement, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But again, remember, that is the very thing they do not want to do in verse 4. That's the concern. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They're resisting the very thing that God has created them to do. That's the struggle that we all have, is that we hear what God has called us to do in His Word, and yet our sinful hearts resist it. We rebel against it. Why? Why is humanity specifically called to do this refrain again and again? Chapter 1, chapter 8, chapter 9. Why are we called again and again to fill the earth? Why are we called to do that? Because remember, we are God's image bearers. Genesis does not want us to miss this. Genesis, and then throughout, again, like think about the Ten Commandments, right? That you, you shall not make for yourself any graven images. You think about all the other countries and all these false gods, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Persians. I mean, like all these people have all these false gods, and it's God after God after God, an image, an idol after idol after idol. But God doesn't have any of that. Why? Because what we've been studying every week is true. We are God's image bearers. That's why it's so significant that we fill the earth with His image of His holiness, His righteousness, His justice. I mean, consider that for a moment. If someone was your image bearer today, and they walked out today, and they've got a mask on, they look like you, they go into your home, and, and they act totally opposite of how you act. They go out, and, and they're, they're, they're lying, and, and they're deceiving in, in the community. They pull up to the gas pump, and they fill gas up, or, or I don't know, and they somehow... Find ways to steal it and run off. That's a bad example. It just came to me. It's bad. I was just like, that doesn't even work. I use your credit card to go in and pay. Pre anyway, man. But you get the point, right? Like if somebody was doing that, you'd be like, that's not me. They're not imaging me. And guys, that's why our sin is such a big deal. Because we're God's image bearers. And when you you and I go out and we lie and we steal and we deceive and we're prideful and arrogant and boastful and we're, we're hateful to others and all the other things, our lustful glances, we're saying to everyone else around us, this is who God is. This is what God looks like. God's saying, no, that's not it at all. And that's why this judgment of God must come on our sin. Because we are saying something that's not true about him with our sin and our lives. That's why our sin is such a big deal. And that's what they're wrestling with here. God said again and again, fill the earth, fill the earth, fill the earth with my image. And they're like, we're not going to do it. I think our hearts wrestle against surrendering to God at every turn. Brett McCracken, in his review of the Pixar movie, I don't know if you've seen it, Turning Red, it's about the coming of age of this young girl, Malin, who literally becomes a panda when she gets upset. It's interesting because she prepares to go out with her friends, and she's decided to embrace rather than hide her beast, this beast part of herself. And her mom protests, says, you're going out with your panda ears showing and your tail. And she says this, Malin responds, my panda, my choice, mom. Do you hear it? It's a tip of the hat to the pro-abortion rallying cry. My body, my choice. It's to say to us and to our children, this is what our children are hearing, that as a 13-year-old, guess what? It's your body, it's your choice. You do with it however you please. Who cares what your parents say or any elders and authority in your life? More so, who cares what God has to say? It's my body, it's my choice. 
That's the things that are echoing in the hearts and minds of our children. Guys, that's the heart of Babylon. Guess what? I'll do it at my way. I'll do it how it satisfies me. It says to our children that guess what? It doesn't matter what age you are. Just exalt yourself. That's what you were created to do. That's the way to a fulfilling life. And beloved, Genesis 11 says to our children, that's a lie. Don't get your truth from Pixar. Get your truth from God. That's what our children are wrestling with. That's what you and I are wrestling with. The Bible's saying, guys, the very truth of what our children stood on the stage Wednesday night and sang to us from the words of Colossians 1, that we were created by Christ and for Christ. And so we need to ask, as we wrestle with this tension here, the opening words of Genesis 11, are you imaging God? Do you image God on your job site by how hard you work and how you treat others? Do you image God in your home? When you mess up, do you ask others for forgiveness? Do you lead or join your family in family worship in your home? Do you image God in this church? Are you seeking how you might serve others rather than being upset when other people don't serve you? You see, the rebellion at the Tower of Babel is ultimately a rejection of God and His purposes. But it goes deeper. It goes deeper into their hearts and it goes deeper into our hearts as we wrestle with this second truth. False religion lies to us that we can find true and lasting security in our works. False, false religion, it lies. It deceives us into thinking that we can actually find true and lasting security. We can find peace. We can find rest in our own works, in our own name. Give me wood. Back to verse 4, Genesis 11. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. Why? There's two reasons why they're specifically doing this. Look at it says. Number one. And let us make a name for ourselves. So that's the first reason why they want to build this city and this tower. They want to make a name for themselves. Number two is this. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Again, they want security. So, so they want praise of themselves and they want security. That's what they're after. And I think it's something we all wrestle with, don't we? To be great, to have people praise us and talk about how great we are and to have security and self-reliance. I mean, we all in some ways in our sinful hearts want to determine our own destiny apart from God. And that's the very heart of Babel. I mean, we think about it in our culture. We, I mean, the questions constantly in our culture come to us. Who needs to hear God's perspective on the value of human life in the womb? Who needs to hear God's perspective on gender or sexuality? Beloved, we must awaken this morning and see the towers of Babel are being built all around us. You're walking in this very text. This is the heart of the culture you live in. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let's do it our way. Lest we be dispersed. In some ways, this has been building throughout Genesis. I mean, think about it. Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, they saw that the fruit was good. It was pleasing the eye. They took and they ate. In Genesis 4, we see Cain who's hating his brother, angry toward his brother, and ultimately murders him. In Genesis chapter 6, we see the text tell us that the people's hearts are only evil continually. In Genesis chapter 9, we saw the hero of previous chapters, Noah drunk and his son dishonoring him. 
And now in some way, Genesis 11 seems to be this culminating point, bringing us to this point before the text of the rest of the chapters of Genesis will unfold about these four different parts of the patriarch family. It says that man in his deepest desires in such rebellion against God that he thinks he can be God. We think that we don't need God's word and his mandates and his truth. We can do what Frank Sinatra has been singing. He sings these words, I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much, much more. I did it. I did it my way. You see, false religion, the deception of our hearts says to us, that we can build a tower. Notice where they want to build a tower to. Let's build ourselves a city and a tower. Notice where it's going to reach to. Where's it going to reach to, church? In the heavens. That's the heart. We don't need God. We can get there on our own. We can make it there on our own. Like, we don't need God's strength. We don't need God's word. We don't need God's truth. We can find true meaning and purpose and peace and security we can reach the heavens on our own god we don't need you that's the heartbeat of babel it's our own name that can carry us there right let's make a name for ourselves let's let's get there so that when we get there everybody will know that we did it it was our own strength our own wisdom our own cleverness our own crafty preaching or whatever it may be let's build a church in our strength no That's the heartbeat of Babel, and it lurks in my heart. If you're honest, it lurks in yours. You see, the Bible is emphatic that there is, in fact, that name, the name of people that will never, ever take you there. But it is clear there is another name. Acts 4 and 12 says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no what, church? There's no other name. And notice what it says there. I think it's interesting. No other name under heaven. That's what they're trying to reach. And the Bible says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to all people by which they must be saved. So what's God going to do in response to this false religion? Look at verses 5 through 7 with me. This is how God responds to humanity's heart. And the Lord came down, verse verse 5. To see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Did you hear the irony in it? Look what it says there, verse 5. And the Lord did what? He came down to see. That's interesting, right? Because the the previous verse, they just said they're going to build a tower that's going to reach where? The tops of the heavens. And God's like, are you really? Your tower is so big and it's so impressive that I've actually got to come all the way down to see how small it is. It's a reminder that we are really small and not as big as we think we are. I was having a conversation with a gentleman out in the community just trying to share the gospel a little bit. And we were just talking through life and... Just a reminder, said, you know, if you think you're real big and important, even here in Greensburg, Kentucky, just die and watch what happens. People are still going on about their life. I was just trying to urge his soul and my soul to contemplate the fact, man, we are small, beloved. 
Even here in Greensburg, where we know so many of one another. But the Lord has to come down to see. We might ask, well, why does God just come down? Why doesn't he just demolish the tower? Why not just come down and just smash it? Maybe you, you've been out walking, and, and, and maybe this is, is more true of some of us in the room than others, but have you ever been out walking, maybe as a kid or even now as an adult, but maybe you wouldn't confess it, where you saw like a little anthill, or maybe like a big anthill, and you're like, yeah, you boys are in trouble today, daddy's here, right? And you're like, wow, right? And you see them, they all like scurry, and some of you are upset right now. I, this, is, this is what my kids did, this wasn't me, right? But listen, like you see those ants scurrying everywhere, and you like walk off, you're like, dude, I'm so like, man, I'm boss. You think you're big and you're boss even over an anthill in your yard or in your driveway? Come back the next day and watch what likely happens. That baby's bigger and more impressive than before. So what God does here is, is unique, right? He doesn't come down and just demolish it. What he does is he disperses them. He, he brings confusion so that there's no way they can go on building. Look what he says, verse 7. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. He confuses the language. Maybe you've asked the question like, how in the world did we get all these different languages throughout the world? How'd that even happen? The Bible has an answer for it right here in Genesis 11. This is God saying, this is how languages came about. Genesis chapter 11, verse 7 and, and following here throughout this section. God gives different languages. He brings it about. And maybe as you wrestle with that, you, you, you see like, man, this is, this is, that's hard, right? Because in some way it's an act of judgment that these languages come. But God in his mercy and his grace is going to actually use these different languages and nations to bring him glories we're going to see. So what happens as a result of this? Well, verse 8 and 9 tell us, So the Lord dispersed them from, the air, from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. God confuses their language. So they can't understand one another. And they all begin to go their separate ways. And maybe you've wondered well, how in the world, if, there's, if the Bible's true, maybe you've, you've wrestled with this. Like, if the Bible's true and it only started with two people, Adam and Eve, then how come there's all these nations today? The Bible has an answer for it here again. It explains why the nations are dispersed throughout like they are and why they have their own unique languages and, and, and customs and, and all these things. It's unveiling right here. This is happening in Genesis chapter 11. But I think there's, there's something in some way of a trump card that happens here in verse 9. Look what it says, therefore. Therefore, in, in response to what God has done, its name was called Babel. God's speaking this judgment upon this way of life. He's saying to all of us, I think this is what the alarm must sound in our hearts and minds. If you're pursuing your own glory, if you're, if you're looking for, to build up your own name, if you're trying to find security in your own works, your own wealth, your own whatever it is for you, God says, I'm judging that path of life. That is called Babel. That way, will, the word Babel, it's interesting. The word Babel indicates confusion. You see, I think our culture and our hearts are thinking, if I pursue that, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be happy. But in fact, the Bible says doing it our way, doing it Sinatra's way, actually only leads to further and further confusion. And it seems that's where our culture is, beloved. 
Thus, we shouldn't be surprised when we look around and, man, there's this Tower to Babel and there's this Tower to Babel. And it's like, well, I thought that's what the Tower to Babel meant. And now, like, somebody's reconstructing it. No, this is what it means. It's bigger. It's got to say this. And that one's not even good enough. Like, it never, like, it just never. We're living in seemingly like the land of Shinar, are we not? And God is saying to us today, I am judging that way of life. I am warning you. This is not the way. I think of all the sin and things that we've seen throughout Genesis. I think maybe this one strikes at my heart and probably all of our hearts the most. Why do I say that? Because I think it can be easy sometimes to dismiss the other ones. Like you look at Cain and you say, well, I'm not a murderer. You look at Lamech and you say, well, I'm not a polygamist. You may look at Noah and say, you know what, I've never been drunk. I've never done anything like that. But I think when we come to what Babel represents here in Genesis chapter 11 is a truth that we all struggle with. We all desire to be great. And we all have a sinful desire to do it in our own way for our own name and our own sake. And you might say, you know what, no, I preach I really don't. Maybe not. Maybe when people speak about farming or you see farmers... You don't get upset because you're not a farmer. So it doesn't really bother you that that's where their farmland is and that's the yield of their crops and that's all that because you're not a farmer. You're like, ah, that doesn't bother me. But let another parent talk about how good a parent they are or post about how great their kids on Facebook are and you as a parent, that's, that's actually a, a venue in which you walk and immediately you're like, you're like you feel threatened. You feel that insecurity rise up in your own heart and mind thinking, well, am I good enough? I mean, I'm not like that. What about my kids? Man, like you feel that and maybe you feel tension toward those people. You feel tension in your own life. The point is, guess what? We may say, I don't struggle with that because we don't walk in that avenue of life. But find the ones that you do and you'll find constant tension to struggle in your heart. Why? Because we all desire to be great. The heart of Babel still lives, beloved. It lives. And that's why, listen, there's only one way to deal with it. And that's what God does. And it's good news here. As we come to this last truth, this bit of hope right here, true and lasting security is found in Christ, not in ourselves or our circumstances. True and lasting security is found in Christ, not in ourselves and not in our circumstances. Turn as you would, begin back to verse 4 and 5. Hear it again. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. You see, God's coming down is the very things that we're going to hear again when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. God's going to come down and see. It's not saying that God's in the heavens and like he has bad eyesight. He's like, I got to get closer, a better look, right? Right. I see some of you and, and I found even my older brother there. Right. We were on a trip and uh, we were together and he was holding that menu like across the table. I was like, bro, can you see it? Right. God's not having a trouble. Right. Like he doesn't. He's not like, oh, I need cheaters today. No, he's not needing that. Right. He's not struggling. His eyesight. It, it's a way of saying God's coming down. It's a reminder. It's the gong sounding judgments here. If you want to pursue the way of Babel, if you want to pursue your own name and your own glory, your own greatness, God's saying, I want you to know judgment is coming for you. It's interesting, right? Because when you think about the word Babel and then later Babylon, it means gate of God is how it's often rendered. Isn't that interesting that here in this place they thought they could reach the top of the heavens? They could do it on their own. They thought they could get to the gate of God on their own. But the truth is God is it's, it's bringing judgment, beloved, but it's also an, it's an act of mercy. 
God is, God is coming down and removing this tower out of the way. His judgment shows us that our way will never reach Him. God's, God's coming down and bringing judgment to say, you'll never get there on your own. You could never reach the heavens on your own. You can call it the gate of God. You can paint whatever picture you want. But I'm telling you, your own self-sufficiency, your own work will never, ever reach me. It will only lead to the very thing that Babel, the word means, confusion. You see, you think, and I think, as we wrestle with so many things, that it's going to bring us rest. But the truth is, it only brings us restlessness. God says that as you pursue the ways of man, it leads you away from me and not to me. But God doesn't just come in judgment. He also comes in mercy to show us there's another way. You see, God coming down, yes, he comes down here and brings judgment and sends them out. But we know that we celebrate soon as we look toward Christmas even. The hope that our Savior came down. That he came down seeing us in our condition and realizing we can never, ever, we're trying to make a name for ourselves, and yet He comes. And He lives a life that does not glorify, indeed, His own name, but the name of the Father. He says what Philippians 2 is making clear. It's saying, listen, that Jesus, being the very nature of God, emptied Himself. He makes Himself nothing. He takes on the nature of a servant and being found in human likeness. He says He became obedient to God even unto death, death on a cross. Therefore, listen to what God does. God gives him the name that is above every name. Did you hear it? We are after pursuing our own name. We want to be the name that's above every name. But God says the way to do that is through dying to yourself and looking to me. It's the exact opposite of what Babel's telling us in our hearts. Christ comes down. He lives the name that's above every name. And at the end of Jesus' earthly life, God constructs another tower. And this tower, beloved, it actually does reach into the heavens. This tower that God constructs will actually bring you into his presence and find forgiveness of sins. This tower, beloved, is the cross. It's at the cross that you and I, who are holy and unjust, us who have the heart of Babel within us, can experience the grace and the mercy of God that we can find the very thing that these people are after. And if we search deep down, we know we ourselves are looking for it. How can we live at peace forever? How can we live with God? And the Bible's answer is, it is in Christ coming down for us. Let that be your security. Find hope and rest in that tower and not the tower that you and I can build. Wow, listen to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man, the righteous woman runs to it and is safe. Isn't it beautiful that it's the name of the Lord that's a strong tower, not our name. It's God's name. It's the name of Christ that is the strong tower. It is Christ, as we sang earlier, on Christ the solid what? Rock I stand. You sang all other ground is what, church? You said every other ground is Babel. Every other tower, every other path, every other way, it's, it's sinking sand. But the name of the Lord, looking to Christ, coming to that tower, the cross, that's a strong tower. Notice what it says, the righteous man, he runs to it and is safe. He hears this message of the truth of Genesis 11 and realizes that the tower of Babel, the desires that lurk in our sinful hearts, will not lead us home. 
Therefore, we must turn and look to another tower, to the cross, to see our blessed Savior who lives the perfect life in our place and dies as our substitute, atoning for God's judgment toward us. And therefore, we are declared righteous. And in that place, we find safety and security. You see, the image that Genesis 11 paints dimly begins to get much more clear as we turn throughout the pages of the Bible. And in fact, as we come to the final book of the Bible, Revelation 7 begins to make clear that even in the judgment of God here in Genesis 11, God is making something great and glorious to his name. Look what it says, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked. He looks into the heavens, right? He sees what's coming at the end of time. Look at this. After this, I look, John looks, and he beholds a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. The very things that Genesis 7, 10, 11 is unfolding before us. From all tribes and peoples and what, church? Languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Did you hear it? The nations, all the languages that happen here at Babel, God is using. He's going to draw and bring and regather. We see it some way happening in Acts chapter 2. Some way a reversal of Pentecost as the word of God is being proclaimed. People begin to hear it in their own tongue. God in his mercy and his grace. But we need to ask, what in the world would ever unite nations and languages and all these different people groups have all these different customs? Well, that answer is revealed in what they're wearing. Did you hear what unified them? Notice what it says there. They're clothed in what? White robes. What unifies nations and languages and peoples is ultimately the blood of Christ. And that's what will do it in your home and in this community and throughout this nation and ultimately throughout the nations. That's what unifies us. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the unbeliever this morning who hears this word, this text confronts us with a difficult truth. That the way to make a name for yourself isn't through self-promotion, but actually through surrender. The way to find security isn't through your own hard work of good works, but instead through Christ's good work on your behalf. And the good news is that no matter how long you've been building your tower today, God is merciful and gracious Today, might you hear the hope of Proverbs 18 and 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man, the righteous woman runs to it and is safe. Today, by God's grace, that you hear this word in your own language and tongue, that you might hear and understand it, might you this hour see that your tower of Babel is not leading you home, but to hell. And the only hope is to look unto Unbeliever, we urge you this hour, no one is too dirty to be made white in the precious blood of the Lamb. And the church should shout, hallelujah. That's our anthem. To the church this morning, let us not forget, beloved, that there's only one strong tower that we can run to and be safe. And so rest. I need to say it to my own soul. Rest, Blake, rest. Mercy, I'm so restless right now. Rest at Christ's finished work on your behalf. If He's met, Blake, your greatest need in that thing, will He not handle everything else? Mercy, I'm struggling. I don't know about you. I need to rest. This text says, rest in His 
strong tower, not your own. I think this also asks us for our hearts. What sinful desires lurk below the surface in your own heart that you're pursuing your own great name and your own security apart from Christ? What do you need to confess and repent of this hour? Finally, to the church, it's beautiful to see that God who disperses the nations is working to gather them. But between Genesis chapter 11 and Revelation 7 verse 9 there where we see this culmination come, we're living somewhere in the in-between. And beloved, that's why they're in Tucky Changers. That's why they're in Kenya this morning. And that's why in a few moments we're going to go out door to door here in Greene County. Because the name of this church is what? Greensburg Baptist Church. So God in His sovereignty has put us in Greensburg, Kentucky. And when He wants to send us to Kenya, He'll put us to Kenya. When He wants to go to Kentucky Changers, He'll put us to Kentucky Changers. And that's why our church is dispersing throughout. But this morning we're here. And so let us go to this community this morning. We're inviting you to come. Let's go. Knock on doors. I know Adam's going to come and share some more in a minute. But beloved, this text compels us. We must go and knock on the door and warn them and tell them, your tower won't lead you home. It won't. This is the urgency, the conviction we feel that only Christ can make a man or a woman right before God. Do we not? And if they don't hear it from us, who are they going to hear it from? I think it's casting crowns. They're going to hear them, right? There's a lot of lost and lonely people in the shadow of our steeple. We cannot stay in the comfort of this room. Yes, praise God, we are to gather. But, beloved, we are to go. Will you come this morning? Will you pray? Some of you physically, you can't, you can't walk anymore like that. But maybe you could drive the streets of Greensburg praying over, asking God to draw boys and girls in the coming week to come and hear the name of Jesus and to know that there is a tower is strong and mighty and will stand the judgment of God. And all those who run to it are made righteous and they are saved. Greensburg Baptist, let's go. Let's worship Him by sharing His glory. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for Christ. Thank You for this Word this morning. Even though it's come from my feeble lips and this heart that is so often restless. I want to be transformed, Lord, and I pray the same for my brothers and sisters. Use your word today by the power of your Holy Spirit to conform us all to the image of Christ. And I pray, God, that you would crush the tower of Babel, the towers of Babel that lurk in our own hearts and minds. I pray this for the glory of Christ. Amen.